everyone and welcome back. I'm Tony Lontes and this is my first show back after a little break and I'm truly delighted that this show, Poetry in Motion with Sonny Singh, will be my first show back. But before I introduce you to my glorious co-host, here's what you need to know. If you're listening live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch or Twitter, we encourage you to reach out with comments and know that if you miss the live show, you can find it available on Binge Networks USA, Hero Go TV USA, Zondra Networks USA, and the Tony TV channel app available on all Roku, Samsung, and LG smart TVs across the planet. Now, we started earlier this year doing an important part of recognising our Indigenous peoples of Australia, and it's called A Welcome to Country, and it goes like this. So I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet and broadcast and pay my respect to the elders past and present and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening here or watching today. Now, this is the first show in a six-show series where I get to introduce you to Sonny Singh, who is a phenomenal poet, writer, and speaker, as well as many other things that I'm going to tell you about today. Now, here's what you need to know about Sonny. Sonny is a cross-cultural seeker of deep knowing. She writes stories of self-discovery to encourage people to accept themselves as they are and live a life on their own terms. Her tales are of her character's definitive moments on their life journey. The mystical and spiritual are an integral part of her storytelling as she is a multicultural, as she has rather, a multicultural background, which is just going to be the wonderful things, one of the wonderful things that we talk about today. Sony is of Indian descent, born in Mexico, raised in Colombia, and now living in the United States. She is world travel and traveled, and when she's not traveling, reading, writing, she indulges in meditation, yoga, and aromatherapy. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Biology and Society, a Master of Management in Hospitality with Cornell University, and a Master of Science in Complementary Alternative Medicine from the American College of Healthcare Sciences. She is currently pursuing a Doctor of Divinity. How glorious are those words together? A Doctor of Divinity from the University of Metaphysical Sciences. And while she's worked in hospitality a lot before practicing as a wellness coach, she is also certified as an integrative nutrition health coach, an international certified health coach, a Reiki master, a registered aromatherapist, a certified crystal energy guide, a certified angel card master and intuitive, and a certification in her writing. Sonny is a divine human being and she's written three poetry books today and there are more coming and her Soul Seeker poetry collection includes Embody, 
Embrace and Embolden. And she's also been published in three anthologies, including Blessing the Page, The Colors of Me, and The Wishing Stone. She has multiple articles published in the Elephant Journal, and her upcoming novel, Lonely Dove, will be released very soon, and we will do some live releasing of that book on this series of shows. If you want to follow Sonny, please jump onto your website, sonnysingh, S-O-N-E-E-S-I-N-G-H.com. Sonny, welcome to the show. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you. What an honor to be your first guest after this break that you've had to take. Sonny, um, just quickly to remind the viewers, um, I have been off the airwaves for about three months, had a little diversion and a little battle with um, quite a large skin cancer. So I'm going to take this opportunity for everyone listening and watching today, please go and get your skin checked. Most skin cancers are absolutely and readily treatable by a whole range of means that not necessarily mean surgery. And I want to just encourage you to do that today. But back to the show, Sony, I wanted to start at the very beginning and get you to tell me about growing up. So you're born in Mexico. Do you have any concrete memories of living in Mexico? And what was that time like? I actually don't because I... I thought so. You were a baby. <laughs> yes, I left Mexico when I was five months old. So I currently still have and carry a Mexican passport and I will until the day oh. I die. So it's so funny that I have an allegiance and a connection to the country, but I've yes. not lived in Mexico. I didn't when I was a child. I've done a lot of You've work. Been and back. Yeah quite a lot. Uh, and I love it every time I come in and they say, welcome home. <laughs> oh, there's a, there's quite deep spiritual ties um, through the culture of Mexico. Do you feel some of that in what you do and, and how you write? Absolutely. I would say um, it, it is integral. And I think in, in a lot of ancient cultures, I've, I've, kind of form ties probably because of my travels, but Mexico in particular, um, you know, on the spiritual journey sort of that I've been on, a lot of my um, deeper connections have happened while I was in Mexico. Uh, oh. so yes, I, it, it holds a very dear space and place in my heart. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, as a child, I don't have any memories. Do your parents talk about that time in Mexico? A lot, because that was their first place where they lived after leaving India. Yes. And it was quite a challenging times for them because this isn't, you know, we're talking yeah. about the 70s. Uh, you know, there weren't a lot of resources. And so, and, and also there was a small community of Indians in Mexico. Now it's a lot bigger, but at yes. that time, you know, it was, it was challenging not knowing the language, not knowing how to drive and all these things that they had to learn. Um, so yes, they talk about it a lot. We still eat Mexican food. In fact, today we had Mexican food for lunch. <laughs> um, what, what do you, had they told you what it was about Mexico that drew them as having an Indian background? What drew them to Mexico, Sonny? Well, I mean, really it was the job. Um, yes. my father, uh, worked for agricultural institutes and so there was, 
uh, one in India, one in Mexico, and then eventually one in Colombia that he worked for. Uh, and that's what drew them there. But I think the connection really was um, just an affinity for the country, the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. It also has a lot of ancient history, a lot yes. of the food, um, even it's a different kind of spice, but it's still spicy. But it's food, the same. Yes. Yes. Yeah, there's quite a lot of affinity. And it's funny because over the years of, as I've met um, either Mexicans or mm-hmm. Indians, they all talk about this connection that they have. Like Mexicans love to travel to to India to kind of. I, I wondered because sort of, oh, there's anything. a synergy. There's a there synergy is. there, isn't there? And and there both is. our ancient cultures, there's a background in spicy food, and I can actually see the connection between the two countries. So moving to Colombia, um, you were a baby when you moved. Do you yes. have any memories of Colombia? Oh, yeah, that for sure, because I was there until I was 18. So I did all of my schooling in Colombia. I moved to the U.S. to go to university or college, as we call it here. Um, But yeah, for sure. I mean, Colombia is where my heart is of growing up, where I always have my memories of comfort. uh, And sadly, I haven't been back since my parents left. And they they left um, when I was in my third year in college, uh, but I still I still have a strong connection. I mean, I I, I identify with it we in terms of it being mm. the place where I feel connected in terms of my youth and where I'm from. <laughs> What's can you share with the audience some of the special things that you remember from Colombia that cause you to identify so closely with Colombia? The people are so friendly. Uh, I would say they're they're warm and friendly and welcoming. Yeah. Um, I would say that was that's one of the biggest things uh, yeah. that I identify and in fact miss because especially as you travel and you you see different cultures, some are more closed, some are more open. I I would say the Colombian one for sure is really open. Um, I mean they're very warm hearted and fun loving yes. people. Uh, it's also a beautiful, just scenic uh-huh. country, uh, nature wise between the oceans, the mountains, because the Andes come in there, yeah. uh, the tropical environment, and you have uh, just... It's pretty diverse, isn't it? It is. It is really diverse. And the Amazon is also there, so it's a really diverse country. And the food, I mean, it's crazy to, to think. Because oh, no, the, I love to be about all food. That known, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really miss the food. Yeah, yeah. Did you get to spend time in and around the Amazon? Because there's, it is an amazing place and has provided humanity with some amazing discoveries. Did you get to spend much time in and around the Amazon? I did not, unfortunately, not when I was there. Um, it's one of those things that I keep on thinking I have to I've do it at some back. point in my life. But no, unfortunately not. We were... Further away, we're sort of in the south southwestern yes. part of the country. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, no, not close to the Amazon, unfortunately. I'm Fantastic. sure that would be a magical experience, though. Absolutely. I, I um, every time I read something about um, the plants or the animals that have been discovered in the Amazon region, region rather, um, I, I feel like there's so many more secrets to be unfolded from the Amazon. So it's a, you know, what a, what a, what a great place in history and time that we live in where there's ongoing discoveries and transfer of knowledge to generations of people. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think that's amazing. Every time you hear about something else being discovered that nobody knew about, and it's just so yes. remote and so hard to get to that. Yeah, I, it's it's incredible, but very inspiring. And I think that's protected it being remote and difficult to get mm-hmm. to has somewhat protected the the wonderful things that the and secrets that the Amazon hides. I actually remember reading very recently about one of the last of the uncontacted tribes and the part and his passing and he had never had interaction with anyone outside of his own tribe and he was the last surviving member of his tribe but he was monitored by amazonian um uh government officials just to keep an eye from a respectful distance but to keep Mm -hmm. an eye on his health and to see that he was okay but I remember reading that he spent something like 35 years alone oh my gosh because his tribe uh, succumbed to modern um, viruses and etc etc and I'm like oh wow and and it struck me as I can't believe that in this day and age we still have isolated pockets of indigenous peoples who are still living life of ancient times yeah yeah it's amazing amazing and especially when you hear these stories and you think how could somebody be in, in the middle of a very populated continent uh, and still make it on their own. Correct, correct, <laughs> correct. Um, Sony, I'm curious to know, knowing your background and what you studied, what you actually wanted to be when you grew up as a child. <laughs> Do you remember what you wanted to be? The oh. first profession I ever wanted to have was a cash register. I wanted to be <laughs> here. <laughs> cool. I wasn't ambitious at all. And that's com- and then so what did it so it started out as a cashier and how did it progress? It evolved into wanting to be a nurse. Um, ah, I, yes, I really, can see that. I wanted to help people. I and but but really what I wanted to was help people feel better. And mm-hmm. the reason was when I went to the doctor and it had to get a vaccine. It was the nurse yes. who gave me the candy. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's a good so job. That's why nurses. I wanted to be a nurse. Um, (laughs) and as I grew up I think I mean not I think it evolved into wanting to be a medical doctor which is why I have such a background in sciences Mm -hmm. uh but I didn't pursue that in the end I mean I came so schooling in the U.S. is different than it would have been had I stayed in Colombia because there I would have had to graduate from school and go directly to medical school whereas in the U.S. you do four years of college and then you pursue higher education uh, yeah. And it was when I was in college that I realized it wasn't for me in the sense that I've always been drawn to the healing sciences uh, and to yes. wellness, but I didn't want to be in the profession because I also have, um, I, when I connect with people, I take to take them on, meaning yes. I, I, I yes. There's an energy for you. There's an energy transfer. Yeah, and at that point, I didn't really know how to deal with it, and so I realized, like you know, every yeah. time somebody comes to me, they're going to be unwell, and I don't know if I have it in me to deal with that as a profession. Yeah. Um, and so I then changed into hospitality, and I stayed in hospitality and- for 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 a long time, actually. Yeah. Sonny, how old were you when you discovered that intuitive or spiritual side of your being? Do you remember? 
I would say I always had it. I don't know that I had. Um, I mean, there was a couple of experiences, I would say, as a child uh, that things would happen to me and I wouldn't necessarily have an explanation for it. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I felt a connection to kind of the, the deeper worlds uh, from a very early age. What happened, though, is once I started talking about it and I'd hear yes. people's reactions kind of go like, wait, what are you talking about? Uh, I stopped, you know, you, you immediately yes. think like, Oh, I don't want to be judged. And so yeah. uh, what, what I remember, what I have a more distinct memory of is shutting down um, is sort Aww. of turning around and saying, Oh, okay, that's an area uh, that I'm not going to explore very much. Uh, and it's funny because I feel like it stayed dormant for most, most of my life until I turned uh, into an adult. Yeah. Um, isn't it sad to hear the stories of people shutting down their intuition or, or their uh, psychic abilities because of the reaction of other people? And I actually believe that we will get to the point in our evolution as human beings where we understand that a person as a whole has a physical being and a spiritual being. And if you're going to be in a healing profession, i.e. a doctor, nurse, or in complementary, I actually believe that the two should be woven together. And I, one of my big visions is to proactively um, work out how we can promote that so that when you go and see a doctor, for instance, there's a spiritual component of that consultation that addresses the spiritual aspect of that human being. Because both you and I know that there are defined links between our spiritual beliefs what goes on in our mind and what transpires in our body having recently been through this whole little um, process myself i've had to realize that there is a direct correlation and connection between what manifested itself as a cancer on my skin and what i wasn't dealing with what i hadn't healed and what i'd not talked about but more on that down the track um Sony, since you started training and um, studying in the metaphysical arts, have you felt a shift across humanity towards understanding the more spiritual aspects of our life? I haven't. I think there is just a lot more um, either consciousness, awareness. Mm -hmm. I, I think had I, you know, for instance, been born now and started talking about the things that I did, I don't think I would have been shut down in the same way. And I think we've just all evolved and uh, all been maybe become more more aware of the connection that we have with one another and with the world around us. Um, And so, yeah, I I definitely think there's been, you know, even in conversation, I can talk about being a spiritual person and not have somebody think, you know, I, that that means Christian or yeah. some other. Yes. Uh, Although a, I, I do still get asked that question about religion. Uh, often, yes. yes. And, <laughs> not and, as much as before. And Sony, I know that we, we have similar thoughts along this, but they're very different. So being a spiritual person in terms of how you and I think of spirituality is completely different from being a Christian and or having a religious background. From my perspective, they are completely different um, uh, aspects of life, aren't they? I, I believe so. I mean, for me, religion is more of a... Mm dogma in the sense of 
you know, this this is how you're meant to act. And Correct. these are the, the kind of uh, criteria or basis to live your life versus spirituality is more about feeling Free-flowing and- the connection with the people and uh, the environment, the universe, earth. Uh, so, yes. so it's a, it's a not- lot less dogmatic and a lot more yes. based on the self. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, um, and a lot less prescriptive, a lot less judgmental if I has it to say that I actually I having grown up in a Christian environment um, and now considering myself more of a spiritual being there's a clear difference in uh, the judgment that is experienced under religion and the lack of freedom of choice and the prescription around how you should act and, and, and behave versus a spiritual belief that there is a greater being, be that whatever your spiritual alignment. I actually think that that is better for humanity. It's better for humans to know and understand that as a unique being, you're not going to necessarily want to act, say, or do in a prescriptive way. Um, Sony, I love that you're doing a Doctor of Divinity. And as I mentioned in the intro, I just a Doctor of Divinity just gives me chills. I don't know why, but every time I say it, it gives me goosebumps. Um, and so you're doing that with the University of Met- Metaphysical Sciences, which is just brilliant that we now have a University of Metaphysical Sciences. I just, I love that. Um, and of course, I know that you enjoy this field of study immensely. What actually prompted the enrollment? How are you enjoying it? And what are some of the key things that you've learnt um, along the way? Uh, so I have always been interested in spirituality and religion and kind of touching on your point that we were talking about before, yeah. you know, religion is an avenue for spirituality. And really, when you look at the yes. core essences of every religion, it's all about spirituality. It's all about connection mm-hmm. and oneness. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what religion yeah. that is. The judgment comes in, in the person, right, in the human mm. aspect of wanting to yes. use that as a as a means or a reason to separate. Oh, control. But that, yeah, right. And that has always been a fascinating aspect. I didn't just want to concentrate, though, on religion. I mean, mm. I wanted to study um, religions across the world. And, yes, because uh, they're fascinating, aren't they? They are. Um, really fascinating. And there's synergies between all of them. Absolutely. And that's the thing that, you know, I, I think really kind of in, in terms of the takeaways is that it doesn't matter in a way what religion you're looking at really at its core essence, it's all about us uh, understanding that we're part of the bigger whole. And when we have that understanding, we act with more kindness and compassion towards each other, because we realize that what affects me affects you and affects the next person. Uh, And so if I can help in any way, and you can help me, then we're all better. But also, for instance, even in even in healing, uh, you know, the, the, the connection the deeper connection where our bodies are actually wanting to send messages to us to say, hey, maybe you need to do things differently. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and and that to me has always been just fascinating. Um, and so a lot of what I've taken from the courses uh, has been this kind of understanding of, of connections and, mm. and, and finding these similarities that we have. 
uh, but also on a personal level, just my own development, just the, yeah. you know, we're, we're yes. all onions in a way. We all have to kind of oh, peel yes. layers, layers and layers and layers. And that's what life is about. And we will probably be doing that until the day we die. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I, I actually hope we are. Like, Sonia, yeah. from my perspective, I love to learn. I love to be challenged. Um, sometimes in the heat of those challenging moments, I'm a little unsure. <laughs> but when you get to the <laughs> other side, it's like, Oh, well, that was, that was, I learned this, this and this and, and, and that's good. But in the moment of those challenges, when you start to, um, think deeply about a certain aspect of your life or your personality, um, it can be really challenging, can't it? But it can. on the and, and other you know, side. Yeah, you just have to go through the journey, though, you know, like you, you want to have an answer for everything. And sometimes yes. you just can't and you have to allow yourself the space to heal in order to figure out. And sometimes, you know, it's not really in order to figure out, you know, it's, it's no. more about what lesson am I gaining out of this? Uh, and we may not always have a clear understanding of why things happen. But it's Correct. it's also about knowing that it's not a coincidence. Uh, that sometimes. No. I, I absolutely believe that there things happen to us for a reason and that reason may simply be as a catalyst for something else in our life or a learning lesson or a, a growth lesson or or on the path to living our best life. I, I don't think that there's it's all there for a reason. You've just got to look for the reason in that moment and you will find it or or otherwise you'll move through it and get to the other side and, and it's another element that makes you a unique human being. Um, Sonny, when you start the story pardon me I'll rephrase that <laughs> I wanted to talk to I wanted to talk to you about the story and the catalyst that actually prompted you to start writing the beautiful poetry that emanated from your soul can you tell the audience about that because it's a really lovely story and it leads into the next series uh, the, the next shows when we're going to be talking about each of Sony's beautiful poetry books and then of course her novel but can you tell that story it's a lovely story I will um it's a lovely so story but it started from a bad place is what I'm it did about. yes <laughs> yes I mean actually my writing journey on a whole started from a bad place bad place if you think about it label yes. it that way but it was health um I had yeah. really I started writing and so I should say this because this despite the fact that I have uh, all these degrees and certifications, I actually don't practice in any of them right now. Uh, yeah. I am a full-time writer. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Which so is it's awesome. interesting that I, I had to go through that journey. Um, mm. And uh, it, I, I, I started writing um, mostly because I had gotten really ill. Mm. Me trying to kind of process the illness realized where is it that I've been um, sort of not giving myself the space to be me and I realized it was in writing uh, yeah. I'd always wanted to write and I kind of secretly never telling anybody used to write stories uh, and so this sort of once I allowed myself to be uh -huh. me and myself and that's why a lot of my writing is about self-discovery and giving ourselves permission to be who we truly are it's yeah. because of my own personal journey and my acceptance of that. Um, and so that's when I started writing 
full time. I mean, writing novels, uh, I'm writing my first novel that's about to come out. But the poetry really happened unexpectedly because, yeah. you know, we we hit COVID yes. and all of a sudden, you know, we were in lockdowns, not this uncertainty of not even knowing, you know, how long is this going to last or what's going to mm. happen next. And by then I had already developed a habit of writing on a daily basis. And so writing for me is both um, sort of a, a, an emotional, spiritual practice, as well as just yes. what I do. Mm-hmm. And the emotional, spiritual aspect is I write um, stream of consciousness. So I, uh, I would sit down every morning and I still have the habit to just free flow what? write without judgment. Um, so just whatever comes in my head as a way to release, you know, yes. thought. Um, and when COVID hit and all of a sudden we were in isolation at the time I was living by myself. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I realized in, in the eeriness of just not being able to see people, not wanting to leave your apartment or not being able to leave your to apartment. Leave. Um, what I started writing was lyrical. Yes. Uh, and I'd, I'd reread what I wrote and, and kind of think like, I think that sounds like a poem. Uh, and so I, I just started kind of taking it out uh, out of yeah. that context and, and mm-hmm. writing it out into the stanzas and then realized, oh, yeah, that's a poem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and once I accepted that I was writing poetry or that I was writing yeah. a poem, then I would just mm-hmm. I would just write them. Uh, and what was fascinating about it is. I've never intended to write poetry. I've always been a poetry yes. lover in the sense of reading it, but never thought, oh, I want to be a poet. Right. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that I set out to do. But once I embraced it, it just flowed. I mean, I ended up, um, so I started writing the poetry around March of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then by November, I had something like 150 poems. I mean, they flowed. <laughs> It's really amazing, isn't it? That, that I didn't happened. even know where that came from. And it wasn't like I'd sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a poem. They just come to me and I just write. And, and you write, just have write. to write them as they came to you. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, as we go through the series, I'm going to get you to share with the audience some of those poems. Um, so everyone will have to tune in for those. So at the moment, you've got three poetry books. Yes. Um, and uh, embody, embrace, and embolden. Mm-hmm. And are you surprised when you reflect that you had enough content to fill these beautiful books? Absolutely. I mean, even when I, you know, when I when I got to that point in November 2020 to look mm-hmm. back, I didn't know how many poems I had written until uh-huh. I decided. I mean, I and I actually didn't know what I was going to do with them. Um, um, yes. A conversation that I had with Karen McDermott, who is yeah. my my publisher through MMH mm-hmm. Press, and we had connected on a different topic. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had told her that I was writing poems, uh, and I said I don't have I don't know what to do with them. And I took out the stack and I just showed her the stack of papers because yeah. they were just handwritten papers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she said to me, "Well, I know what you can do with them." <laughs> yes, as Karen does. Karen and her magic. <laughs> yes, Karen and her magic. She knows exactly uh, what so to do. And so she just said to me, you know, sort through them and, and let me know. And and I did. And that's when I started typing them. 
Uh, and that is how I realized how many poems I had because I actually started typing them up. Uh, and, you know, after we went through the whole exercise, that's when I started identifying themes and recognizing that I was going to ask, did they naturally fall into the three books naturally without too much? Yes, they they did um, in a way that was very unexpected. Mm. Uh, So I was when I when I had a follow up conversation with Karen and and was talking to her about the kind of the themes that were coming across in the poem. Mm. She was the one who came up with the word embody. uh, And that sparked the, the whole the journey. Um, and so when, when she said embody, uh, it just sort of set the tone for, for everything else. And I realized um, that really the, the journey of the books or the journey that I had through COVID and mm. the poems don't really have anything to do with COVID, um, but it was. It's no, that, I was just going to say, they're story. not about really COVID. They're no. beautiful <laughs> words constructed into beautiful lyrical poems um and i mean there's probably a handful that deal specifically but yeah i mean in the between the three books there's roughly 300 poems so it's quite a lot (laughs) (laughs) amazing my question sony are are poems still coming to you are are you still able to channel poems so you're still writing poetry absolutely oh fantastic thank goodness for that <laughs> so there yeah. will be more there will be more poetry to there will to be more poetry absolutely yes fantastic all right how is um the transition from um poetry back to writing because you've always written but writing a novel is a difference again so how's that going how's that been for you it's been really interesting in the sense that i can sit down and say, I'm going to work on my novel today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to give it two hours and I will work the two yeah. hours. Or I'll give it five hours and I'll work the five and- hours. Or I'll work the entire day and, uh, and, and yes. I do it. With the poetry, I don't really have that control. No, it just editing. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't sit down and say, okay, now I'm going to write a poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poems come when they come. Yes. When I have to edit them, then I can say, okay, now I have these collections. And, 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 and really go. what happens is... I'll start writing the poetry and kind of start putting them in folders according to themes that are coming up. Ah, yes. Sometimes I have some that are in other Just or miscellaneous because I don't really know. Don't if they know where they're going. And that's how I start kind of compiling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the themes just in a way come up on their own. Uh, whereas with the novels. Yeah. It's a different sort of, it's a completely and, different scenario because they're, I am creating a story and it's intentional mm. and mm. not that the poetry is not intentional. It's just, it no, happens in the moment different. and I'm capturing the moment. Whereas in, in a novel, um, I'm You're deliberately trying to create something, uh, mm. character stories, trying to figure out how do I show this character's progression? Uh, and, and my, my, my novels are, are character driven. My short stories mm-hmm. are all character driven. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, you know, I, I have an understanding of where I want the character to be at the start of the novel and where yes. I want them to end. Uh, uh, and so I, kn- I know that before I sit down, yeah. how they get there, I don't always know that. <laughs> yeah. I, th- that was my next question, Sony. Do you actually map out 
um, this is where I want the character to start with these this sort of personality and and these um, positive traits and these uh, other traits and I want them to get to here where they learn about truth and destiny or, or whatever it is or it actually is very fl- free flowing for you it is free flowing so with, uh, amongst us kind of fiction writers there's a term mm. of um, pantser versus plotter uh, yes, yes, yes. outline the yes. whole story and a pantser just writes off you just know, goes yes off the seat of their pants yes <laughs> I'm a pantser absolutely ah. uh, it, when I say that I know uh, where my character is and where I want her to be at the end I have an understanding as for instance um with the with the story that I'm working on now, she's an underdog, and so I, I want her. I, I I know that that she's going to be this sort of quiet, very sheltered person. Yeah. And by the end of the book, I want her to be empowered and and and, and yeah. awakened in a way. But I don't know how she's going to get there. You and get sometimes that. I don't actually know who she is until she starts telling me. Um. So I, I you know. I, I explore aspects of her and so and and some of them I don't know until I'm putting her in a scenario and I think how would, how she, would act? she react yeah, um, yeah and so then I start writing it out and then I realize oh well for her to react this way something needs to have happened to her so then I have to make sure that I go back and and, and sort of fix it uh, yeah. but a lot of times um, yeah I just sort of see where the story goes and then when I have my first draft completed. Then- it's it's really full of holes. <laughs> I have to go back and <laughs> <laughs> fix it. It actually <laughs> and realize things need to be reorganized and uh, other actually... things anything. And also, I've overwritten. Mm. I'm one of those people who, who yes. overwrite yes. and then help yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I understand that. Um, I've had lots and lots of conversations with people over the years about their writing style and and how they write, and and lots of conversations with people thinking that they had a book to write and then just not knowing how to start. And my response has always been, just start at one point mm-hmm. and write in and around that because. It doesn't have to flow in any way until you get to the point where you're editing because that's when you shuffle things around and adjust things and correct what you've overwritten or and embellish what you've underwritten. And it doesn't have to, I think for people think that they have to write in a certain way to produce a novel, but you don't do your signing. You don't. And some people are really good at outlining and they oh, will yes. sit down yes. and they have a story and they just write yes. to it. Um, but that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. And as you said, you can just start writing from whatever point it is that, you know, you're being inspired to tell the story. And it, at least if it happens, like it did in my case, mm-hmm. my novel, the, the one that's coming out, had four different starts uh and 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 a lot of it depended on either how the story evolved but also recognizing oh this point further along is really where the character is inspired to change so let's move Mm -hmm. that forward and all these other things can be backstory or can be flashbacks or can be something else uh and and that's how you 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 rearrange things to figure out what's the best way to Mm -hmm grab the reader's attention Uh, and and, you know that becomes your focus in the editing process is what do you do in order to to grab that person so 
they start reading the novel and don't want to put it down. But right when you're writing, no, I mean, that wouldn't be the first <laughs> thing. <it's>... <laughs> you just, you write as that inspiration uh, strikes you. That's the best time. Although in talking to lots of writers, many of them are very disciplined around mm-hmm. their writing like you are. So they write for an hour every morning or they write whatever whatever their schedule is. They strictly stick to that schedule to get that book written and done in mm-hmm. a certain time frame. Um, for some of the authors that I speak to, they uh, record, voice record. Do you do any voice recording, Sony? I don't. I right. tend to think uh, in order to speak, I'm an introvert. Uh, In that sense. Uh, And so for me, the the processing of the thoughts happen as I write. So yeah, I wouldn't, I would not be a good recorder. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It'd be nonsense. It's fascinating how um, different people write or like to write or like to produce their articles or books or whatever it is. Uh, And it seems to be different. There's lots of similarities, but it seems to be different for different people. Um, I know writers who only voice record and then Mm -hmm. get the transcript and go through the editing process. Um, And I've tried both, but I find... I find that I'm more like you, Sonny, in that I'm generally an introvert and there's lots of conversations go on in my head, but they don't actually make it outside of my head into a recorder or onto a piece of paper and I'm trying to train myself to get better in those Mm -hmm. things. I'm curious, Sonny, with all that wonderful learning from university, do you use that learning in creating your characters and does it appear in some of your poems, some of the things that you learn, particularly around the metaphysical sciences? Absolutely. There's always some spiritual, esoteric element in my writing. Yes. Um, the, the way I describe it is the poetry is my reflection of how I see either the world, my experiences, the connection, the novels are are fictional. So I, I will yes. put myself in another person's shoes in order to acknowledge that, as you say, yes. everybody's different. Yes. And by nature, um, I see connections, I see signs, I see symbols. Yes. Um, I, I look for meaning. And yes. so I, I bring that into everything that I write. And it's not that every single poem has that, but uh, it is definitely uh, in, in in all of my writing. I would say mm. in, in the novels, um, because they're stories of self-discovery and self-development, the spiritual yeah. aspect is almost a must. It's yeah. just how yes. open is the character to that aspect and how do they use that or how do they welcome it into their lives but i I incorporate crystals herbs tarot cards yes um all fantastic spiritual teachers religion understanding religion yes all of that absolutely absolutely um sony I wanted to um, talk a little bit about Ireland um, with you whilst we had the audience <laughs> listening because it was such a magical, I'm going to say it was a magical experience. So Sony and I went to Ireland in June. Yes, June. Yes, it was in June. <laughs> and we went and stayed in this magnificent castle. 
and um, it was a it, it was a really fabulous uh, retreat for writers and speakers. Sonny, can you tell the audience how it was for you? Because I loved it. I, I loved meeting you in in person. Because Sonny and I have known each other for a while now, but that was actually the mm-hmm. first time I think we've met in person was in Ireland. Uh, it was at Peel Manor. Uh, oh, no, it was at Peel Manor. Yeah. That's right. Yes. So we'd previously met in Peel Manor, um, which is over in Perth, Western Australia, which is on the way other side of the country. Um, and then we met up again in Ireland, but Ireland was just so beautiful, wasn't it? Do you want to it tell people about your experience? Well, I so that was the second time that I'd been at Crom Castle. Um, the first time was the first time I met Karen in person. Yes. Uh, and at that time, the first time I had just finished, I think a third draft of the novel that I have coming out, Lonely Dove. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting in the sense that when I got to the castle, uh, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, you don't, you sort of hear about a castle, but you don't know where it is. Mm -hmm. And and it's so grandiose in the sense of the beautiful stone building. Mm. And then it's surrounded by woods and there's a lake and I mean it's just so pristine a wishing stone (laughs) there's There's rose gardens I mean so many things that it just it was sort of the prime environment for uh reflection for inspiration yes and connection and connection yeah and there's an energy almost like a pervading ancient wisdom Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't know if that's quite gives it an accuracy, but it was just beautiful, and the rooms that you stay and the the grounds are just lend themselves to writing and reconnecting, and um, it, it was magical. And of course, uh, the castle itself is beautiful, and then you have a housekeeper and a butler <laughs> and a cook. And they're divine human beings. So the Francis, Cynthia, and and Joan. (laughs) Yes, Cynthia and Joan. So the housekeeper and the cook have this beautiful, their mother is an ancient tea reader. So there's all these synergies that come to pass. And the way that um, Cynthia looks after you via her cooking Mm -hmm. is really special, isn't it? It is. And I mean, to think Cynthia and Joan are sisters, they grew up in those grounds. Yes. Uh, so they, and they served the castle owners yeah. for is... hundreds of years, I think, yes. like a hundred and I don't know. It, it's a long time. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> a long time. It's a long time that they've served the owners of the castle mm-hmm. in some way or form. So it, yeah. it's a magical experience. Yes. And then Francis comes in from Belfast. And, you know, I mean, he's a professional in the highest regard. It is just amazing. Beautiful. And I think that's part of the experience is to have those central characters, if you will, in and around you and and loving and caring for you in a way that I've not experienced before. And yeah. in the grounds of this ancient castle with all of its history and energy, it is really a magical. I've talked to so many people about this 
retreat and it's run by Karen and the team at um, MMH Press and it is just the best experience. I can't wait for the next one because I don't think I could miss another one now. Yeah, well, and see, that's the thing. That's why I had to go back. Uh, After having experienced it that one time, I realized it was so, I mean, indescribable in a way, um, but also so magical that uh, I had to go back. And, you know, the first time I went was 2019. So it was pre-COVID. And then uh, this last time in June. COVID. (laughs) (laughs) No one did anything for a few years. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was, it was it was it's the perfect environment to kind of reset i that's oh yes and there's good. something about um for instance it had these fields of beautiful yellow flowers that you sort of looked out of your window to these fields and the deer would come prancing along and the walks through the forest and down by the lake and then the we went on some uh trips to some ancient ruins and that Mm -hmm. was amazing as well i just the history grabs my soul sony i I just yeah ireland northern ireland is just magical i mean you're transported back in time almost that's what it feels like that you're transported back in time you're still you're still present in this time and age but for some reason you're transported back to ancient wisdom and energy and you just completely relax yeah Um, and a lot of people go there and write and some people Mm, don't write at all but they still feel replenished and yes uh, invigorated and just you know when when you leave full of ideas like all these things that you you know i agree that you had in you you have correct (laughs) correct correct um i all of those things happened for me as well and it was the starting ground of um thinking about what was next next for me because at that time I'd had my cancer diagnosis but I didn't yet realize how bad it was (laughs) so I was a bit like happy blase it was also my first overseas trip in close to three years so there were lots of things and then the all the people that went to the retreat were just amazing human beings in their own right all writers of different genres and different backgrounds and it was truly a unique event sony and yeah i I think that for anyone who's thinking about writing if they get themselves involved with um a writer's retreat of that level it will make the change in their writing journey don't you think i think it is pivotal and and what what you said is spot on in the sense that just the range of writers because yes. there were people who hadn't written anything at all or hadn't published written mm. I should correct that hadn't published anything mm. versus authors who'd published 30 books loads like really <laughs> world I mean, class yes. who had written for 30 years 30 novels sort of that yes. ilk of writer who and then children's books to nonfiction. Yes. You yes. know, I mean, yes. you know, Dr. Bill. The poetry. And, and the, yes, the psychology was amazing. <laughs> amazing. To poetry. I mean, the, just the range. And I think that exchange was also part of the magic that to, oh, to realize that we were all so different, so varied with such completely different backgrounds and still connected and connected yes. so well and so deeply. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, that, yeah, that was that was amazing. It was it was really good. Um, now going back to um, your writing and stories, I just wanted to mention for the audience today that if you jump on to Sony's website, sonysing.com, and you sign up for her newsletter, she will gift you this little package of her beautiful poems. Now I've obviously gone and done that of course um but i just want to say if you want to know more about the way that um sony writes it's this is a wonderful way to get a tester of her work and it's fabulous it comes um as a little ebook and um you get to sit read and enjoy but also on sony's website are all the books now sony do you want to tell people what we're going to do over the course of this series in terms of your books do you or do you want to save it for a surprise in the coming weeks well, there will be a surprise for each of the books. How about that? <laughs> that's, no, that's fantastic. So each of Sony's books, we have a surprise for those shows. We also will have a surprise for the novel. Um, mm-hmm. And we will simultaneously launch Sony's novel, not only uh, in this show series, but across the world. So it, it's kind of a big deal um and we'll be talking more about the novel in the upcoming shows but for the first little while we'll be talking uh, um we'll be having another conversation next week um about um sony and and some more about her spiritual journey and the connection between spirituality and writing why it's important to write and why for women who are the natural born storytellers of the universe and why it's important for them them to write as well. Sonny, I want to finish the show off with your um, tagline or phrase, which is trust in your soul's inspiration. Can you quickly talk to us about this? Uh, So it's trust in your soul's destination. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Topo, Tony. Although inspiration sounds good too. <laughs> I like that. And it's not the same. Trust in your soul's destination. My humble apologies, Sonia. No, no. It's all good. It is actually the same in the sense that where the inspiration came from uh, really lies at the heart, uh, perhaps of what we'll talk more next week, but it's... Yes, I was just going to say, this is just the lead into next Mm -hmm. week as well. Um, But it's that, that spiritual journey of recognizing that each and every one of us is here with a purpose and Amazing. that purpose is not our job. Um, it's our state it's of not. Uh, and, and, and that's what your soul tells you. And if you listen to the call of your soul, uh, that destination isn't necessarily a place. It's a journey. It is a journey and we will expand on that further next week because as you know, listeners, from the start of our story, uh, Sony's had such a diverse background and she started in um, hospitality, she's got all the um, metaphysical study and journey um, behind her as well and now writes amazing poetry and beautiful books and so it is about that journey which we'll explore in next week's program but for today, we are completely out of time already. Sonny, thank you so much. Uh, for the listeners, please reach out to Sonny on social media. You can reach out to Sonny on her website at www.sonysing.com. That's 
S-O-N-E-E-S-I-N-G-H dot com. Don't forget to sign up for her newsletter because then you'll get that free gift, which is amazing and gives you a taste of her beautiful work. Um, we Again, I have so much to talk to Sonia about in these series. And please tune in next week where you'll catch the second show in our series. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having on our me. new show, Poetry in Motion with Sony yeah. Singh. I'm your co-host, Tony Lontis, and I'm delighted to introduce the world to the beautiful Sony Singh and her Thank work. You. We will see you next week for another episode. Please join us then. Bye for now. <laughs> Bye.